Hello and welcome, brothers, to this special episode of KKSI Presents. My name is Will Johnson. I'm a life member of the Theta Sigma chapter at Fairmont State University. I am also serving on the 2021 National Nominations Committee. Today, I am once again taking over Bong's podcast with a very special guest, Bong Ko. For those unaware, Bong was recently slated by the Nominations Committee for the Office of Vice President of Colonization and Membership. So we wanted to take this opportunity to give him the chance to talk about how his campaign has been updated. Bong, welcome. Hey, Will. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing well. Excited for this uh, podcast interview. And now that we're getting closer to NatCon and, you know, it's starting to seem real. So very excited for that. <laughs> so to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself with those who might not have caught the uh, last podcast? Sure thing. Um, well, well, I just first wanted to say thank you um, to you and Jack Wernick and to TJ Coleman uh, for all the time and energy that you've put into creating these resources. Um, I think it's just a great way for our membership to hear from and to get to know a little bit about each candidate. Um, and of course, thank you to the entire nominations committee uh, for all of their work throughout the process. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not an easy process and I know it's not uh, an easy decision to come to at the end either. So again, just thank you so much for putting in the time for this brotherhood and for our students. So once again, or maybe for the first time, hello to all of our brothers listening and tuning in. My name is Bonko, pronouns he, him, and I proudly serve as our current national vice president for student affairs. And over the past two years, I've had the honor of working with national leadership, district officers, and students from all across the country to navigate for, for the most part, the pandemic, uh, but also just the ins and outs, the ups and downs of the biennium. Uh, I'm also a proud life member of the Alpha Zeta chapter at Indiana University, where I started my fraternal journey in 2012. Uh, and during my time at IU, almost a decade, wow. Um, during my time at IU, I maintained a high level of involvement on campus with many different groups and, and organizations, uh, but one of the most memorable and favorite parts of my college experience was being a part of the IU Marching 100, where I marched as a piccolo and had the honor of serving as two years as the drum major of the IU Marching 100. Uh, currently, I live in Washington, D.C., where I serve as a programs manager for a local nonprofit uh, that works to serve um, underrepresented and underserved youth in the AAPI or Asian American Pacific Islander community. Uh, and it's really cool because this post, uh, it's been really incredible. It is very much aligned with who I am, what I want to do in life. But it's also convenient because a lot of my daily duties and responsibilities align nicely with my role as a national officer for Kappa Kappa Psi. <laughs> Um, and I'll wrap up my introduction with one last point. Well, I am here today, not only as a national officer, not only as a candidate, but simply as someone who has a deep appreciation for band and a deep love for our students. And I've served at the chapter level, I've served at, at the district level, the local alumni association level, and now the national level. And I just want to make it very clear that this whole process is not about climbing the ladder or gaining any titles to put in my resume. This is not about proving a point or trying to show someone else up or beat another candidate. This whole process, the reason I've put myself forward as a candidate to serve as a national officer for Kappa Kappa Psi is quite simple. I, I want to create opportunities to collaborate with our active members. I want to identify, identify ways to uplift them and their work and to simply help them provide or provide them with 
a good and pleasant experience as they go through some of the most formative years of their lives as college students. So that's about it for me. And again, I just would, would highly encourage anyone who's curious or wants to know more, please connect with me on social media. Please connect with me at National Convention. I am more than happy to share. All right, thank you. So what was your reaction that morning when the nomi nominations committee released these slate announcements? <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be honest. I didn't read it right away. I just, I mean, I was working, so I did not read it right away. Um, and this is a very interesting question just because I don't often get asked about my reaction. So to answer your question, I felt, I felt very grateful. It, it felt good. I am grateful and appreciative that the committee saw and felt that I was qualified and suitable to continue my service, but also called upon me to serve as the next VPCM. And again, that simply was just a great feeling. But I also felt very conflicted because I knew I was going to have to make a very hard decision. And quite honestly, selfishly, I wanted to have the opportunity to have two more years to learn, two more years to do national council stuff because we've been going through a pandemic and just to serve as national VPP. But after reading the report, the entire report, uh, I felt confident in the committee's assessment, your reasoning and, and your final recommendations. And I've worked closely with some of the other slated candidates and I share many of the same sentiments that were reflected in the report itself. But I, I wanted to add this important note. The slate is a recommendation, right? It's a suggestion based on assessment, based on conversation, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of debate as well. But that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's a recommendation. And our students, our active members, the ones who are paying the dues, they're gonna be the ones who ultimately make the final call on who serves in what capacity. And I say this because in 2019, I was running for VPSA and I was not slated. And naturally it hurt a lot. So to all the candidates out there who were not slated, I, I feel for you. It sucks. You know, and I took time to reflect. I took time to feel sorry for myself. And I got back up. I asked questions. I asked how I could do better. I developed a plan on how to be better, but most importantly, how I could continue to be a part of the solution. How can I live the promises that I was making? How can I live out the things that I say I wanted to do? Right, because our actions and our words have to align. Now, this time around, I was actually slated. And again, I feel grateful. But to be completely honest, it's not a guarantee. Right. Whatever the slate said, it's not a guarantee. So I myself personally, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. I will continue to do my job in representing our students and to continue serving uh, to the best of my abilities as a national officer. All right. Awesome. Thank you. So I guess my biggest question is, given the recommendation from the committee, how has your original campaign for the position of EPP changed? Yeah. I'll say this. Um, I gave this a lot of thought and consideration from the very beginning. And when I say very beginning, I don't just mean the uh, submission deadline in January 2021. I mean, from the very beginning when, when th the thought even popped up. And I reflected deeply on if I even wanted to run again or not. 
because serving as a national officer, it's, it's not easy on top of your personal life, your professional life. You have to give up a lot of time to the fraternity. And I just, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I gave that a lot of thought. I originally wanted to run for VPSA again. So I gave that a lot of thought. Then I thought about VPP and even VPCM. And I think the time that we spend through, through to think through all of this is very important because it's about what is best for our students and their needs to be better advocates, allies, and ambassadors for college and university bands. It's not about just my ambition. It's not about what, what, what I want, right? So if you're gonna ask me today or any other day, if I, wanna, if I want to serve as VPP, I would say yes, because in an ideal situation and world, I would love the opportunity to serve as VPP and to, to take what I've learned to develop the position and the potential impact that, it, that the position can have. But that's not where we're at. This is real life. And I have real life conditions to think about and the real life situation that we are in now. And I have to remind myself that I can't be so single-minded and selfish about just what I want, right? So, and I'm gonna ask, you know, for, to, for people who listening to please trust me and say that this was not an easy decision to make because I know that my decision to put forth ideas to serve as the next VPCM, even though I didn't originally run for it, it's gonna ruffle feathers. And it, there will likely be drama. I'm sure people are saying things on social media, saying things behind closed doors, but at the end of the day, if that's what it takes to, to bring forth the best candidates to serve the students, I think that's okay. But again, after countless conversations over the past two years, guidance from loved ones and mentors and just all the lessons and experiences that I've learned throughout this biennium, I am confident in my ability to continue my service as a national officer and to serve as a VPCM. And as VPCM, I'm gonna focus on creating positive, equitable and sustainable change for our brotherhood. And I'll be happy to share exactly how I plan on doing that uh, in the rest of this interview. All right, thank you. Um, in your last interview, you talked about your vision being reimagined. Mm -hmm. How does that transfer to the role of VPCM? Yeah. So the vision of reimagining Kappa Kappa Psi came about after countless hours of, of conversation and dialogue and even debate with students, current leadership members, past uh, national leadership members. It's, it's a vision that respects the space that we are in now, but challenges us, challenges us to think about the next chapter. It's a vision that honors a lot of what we do well as an organization, but also calls upon us to address these serious issues that we need to face head on. So the whole idea behind Reimagine in the, in the context of VPP was to make programs and awards more human. And what I mean by that is that so often uh, we get lost in the weeds of planning of our operations and logistics, the numbers and the data that we lose our human factor. And I think the same theme for Reimagine lives on within my ideas and recommendations for VPCM. And to go further, it's about making our work from membership and expansion, discipline, all under the purview of the VPCM to be more human. 
And what I've learned over the past two years, what I've noticed is that when it comes to disciplines, policies, and risk management, we can get very black and white about it, that we forget about the gray areas, which is what is reflected in real life. And I recognize that the goal may be to clarify what these gray areas are, but I've also learned through my work in the nonprofit and government space is that in an effort to be more efficient and effective, we sometimes cut out those that the work is meant to help and protect. And we simply lose that less human quality, that human factor, which makes things definitely less equitable and inclusive. So as a VPCM, I will leverage and utilize the vision of Reimagine Kappa Kappa Psi as a framework to guide my work to collaborate with a more diverse group of brothers to create that positive, equitable, and sustainable change for our organization. And I say this because we often heard about the next hundred years heading into second century. There's been a call since the, since the, the, the centennial to think about that next chapter. There's been calls, serious calls for us to, to address serious issues within an organization. So reimagine in the, in the context of VPCM is to continue the great work that has already been done by that past v, VPCMs, but also to identify areas in which we can do better. And I have six I would like to mention to you um, later on. All right, well, that is a great segue because um, my next question is, what are some of your other goals as the VPCM? Yeah, so I will preface with as VPSA, I have a very good working relationship with our current VPCM. I also have a good relationship with past VPCMs as I continue to learn and develop as a national officer. And we've had countless conversations, and again, sometimes ending in debates, sometimes ending in disagreements. And what I will mention is that sometimes we can work towards the same goals, but we do it in different ways. or our perspectives kind of skew what those goals actually are. So here are six areas that I would like to focus on. And under each of these focus areas are three specific things or uh, initiatives or priorities that I would like to work on as well. So the, the first focus area is membership education and chapter development. And the three initiatives or the three focus uh, priorities that I'll focus on, one is membership recruitment and resources. What I mean by that is I'll work with the curriculum committee to develop recruitment tools and resources that are focused on our organizational why. And the purpose of this uh, initiative is to help our chapter select the best members to join our fraternity. And the reason I mentioned this is because we've been virtual. We've been going through the pandemic. Our membership numbers are down. Retention rate is not strong. So we need to really focus in on being as effective as we can, or at least as thorough as we can with the resources and tools that we provide our chapters. Another under this focus area are chapter officer uh, and operation training. So currently I am a part of the chapter operations task force. And again, working to create resources and support tools that will help our chapters do what they need to. And what I'm going to suggest is scaffolding this plan to make sure that we focus in the first uh, two months, three months, 
of a of an active process or a chapter officer's process throughout the year so that we can really pinpoint what support they need. And the last point under this focus area is just development and resource mapping, working with our district leadership, working with our national leaders to map out each quarter and then each term to make sure we are setting in guidelines framework for us to actually achieve our goals. And if we don't, how can we adjust? So that's the first focus area. The second, professional outreach and organizational expansion. Growth expansion is a big part of the VPMs, uh, VPCMs role. So three initiatives and or priorities I will work on is working closely with the newly created chapter DUB and sponsor committee and really making sure that we develop a re working relationship with our DOBs, with our sponsors, and make sure that we are creating opportunities for them to connect and to be more engaged. To host interest calls with our VPPR. Expansion is not simply about the number of chapters that we charter. It could also be about the interest that we establish in developing band programs. A band program may not be ready now, but thinking about what value can we bring a band program right now as they're developing and maybe years to come, once they're developed, they're like, hey, Kappa Kappa Psi was there for us. We wanna be a part of that organization. So again, leading with, with value and holding these interest calls with our, v, uh, leveraging our VPPR, our Vice President for Professional Relations. And the last initiative is developing chapter support system. And basically what this means is holding our staff, our headquarters staff accountable and really working with our CFRs, our national chapter and colony education coordinator, and potentially even a new headquarters staff member to work on a, on a thorough plan on how do we develop chapters, especially newly chartered chapters, to support them throughout the process of being a new chapter. And then also chapters that are membership advisement. How do we support those chapters? The third focus area is digital membership experience and resources. Look, we, it, it is 2021. It is time for us to look at an OMRS 2.0. And I know that's been in conversation and I'm excited for everyone to hear more news about it. But as somebody who's been a part of rolling out technology in my previous company, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of funding and support and training. So as we're doing this, I think we still need to work towards updating our infrastructure. But noticing, or but but noting that it's going to take time. So how again? How do we scaffold that? How do we map that out so that we're still providing value, training, and support to our chapters? So the first phase is going to be making sure that our our chapter officers, DUBs, and sponsors know how to utilize the OMRS 2.0, and then after that, seeing what feedback we can get to make those adjustments. So OMRS 2.0, something that the attendees of the 2021 National Convention will notice is that there is an event experience app. And I will propose the continuation of this if the membership feels that it is the best fit. And this is, a, is again, is a way for us to better engage with our attendees, to provide resources, to provide updates, to just make the, the experience of attending one of our events a superb experience. All right. So that's 
another initiative. And the last one for, for this focus point is educational and support resources database. And utilizing the, the new RMS 2.0 at some point, making sure that we can house our Road to Wisdom 3.0, Inner Circle, Founder Circle, Chapter Officer Training Manuals, all of our documents in this membership portal for all of our members to access and creating ways in which we can better disseminate this, these materials to all of our active members to utilize, to leverage, to learn from. The next focus area and something that I know is a very hot topic is investigation protocol and discipline practices. One thing that I would like to take a look at again, I know that there exists prior to me joining National Council, but there used to be a database of past investigations and disciplinary actions. And I would like to take a look at that and, and maybe revamp it if it hasn't been updated. And to take a look at building a database of what's been done before so that when we are making decisions on discipline, we're making it based on fact, on data. As a national officer for the, over the past few years, I have experienced firsthand how difficult it can be to make these decisions because we just don't have access to that material. So making sure that we can have a database, we can look past and see what has this chapter gone through? What steps have we given them? And if we've, if we've tried the same things over and over again, let's try a different approach to educate our chapters better. Right? Let's not just throw the same things over and over again and then suddenly slap a big moratorium on them. Within that also comes with investigative protocol updates and training. Uh, past national president Jack Lee and um, Evan Thompson developed the current investigative uh, investigation protocol. And that was back in 2017, I believe. And I don't think it's been updated yet. And I know our current VPCM has a suggestion on, on an update. But again, we need to take a look at that, work with our headquarters staff, our insurance, our lawyer, to see where are areas that we can create, we can add these updates and provide further training on it. And the next part, again, this may be a hot take here, but I would like to see us look into, at least inquire about hiring an investigation officer, or at least hiring a third party to help us with our investigation, right? There's been a call for, for us to be as unbiased and to be as fair as possible. But if we're just keeping things in-house, I don't know if we will exactly get to where we want to be. This may, requ may require a lot more planning in terms of financial planning and funding. But I think at least looking into it and looking at how other organizations, similar to our financial standing, how they approach investigation officers or hiring a third party for big investigations. The fifth focus area is CFR, uh, Chapter Field Representative Partnership. Um, and just based on my experience, based on what I do, I, I do in the professional world, is just really working with our CFRs to provide professional development, making sure that we are working in all the good things that came from virtual visits. So over the past year and a half or so, our, our um, 
we had Justin and Nicole who had to do virtual visits. Well, maybe there's a way that we can incorporate that to be pre-visits. So before a CFR visits in person, they do a virtual visit to build a connection, uh, to answer any preliminary questions, just to really explain the whole process so that the CFRs aren't wasting time. So if they're on the road and a chapter ghosts them, a chapter doesn't respond, again, they've already had that attempt to, to make that connection. And of course, making sure that we have a thorough and clear process on chapter follow-up. So after CFRs visit these chapters, is there a follow-up system? Right. Again, working with our headquarters staff and, and a potentially a, that new staff member that we're talking about, I mentioned earlier, maybe identifying and holding that person um, accountable to following up with each of these chapters saying, all right, here are the recommendations that the CFR gave you. How have you been adjusting to it? What have you been doing? Right. And the final focus area, and thank you, Will, for sticking in touch with me here. The, the, final, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> the final focus area is on DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion. And I don't, I say this last, not because it is the least important. I say it last because I want it to be the last thing you remember about all the focus areas. Is that at the end of the day, DEI to me is going to be the most important aspect to a successful national officer, national council, a national organization. We're finding areas and we're, we're, we're still learning how to be better and how to improve, but we're finding areas to celebrate our diversity. Our communications team has been working very hard over the last two years to identify and celebrate and uplift the stories that celebrate diversity and diversity was from race, ethnicity, social economic standing, religious beliefs, abilities. I mean, it, it really celebrates all aspects of people's social identity. But how do we improve upon that? How can we make that an educational experience for our students? And then how do we equip them with that knowledge to do that work in their, in their home and local band? And of course, looking at equity and inclusion, which again are very, very important. There's often a call for us to say, hey, I want a seat at the table. Well, let me just say, tell you, as somebody who has a seat at the table right now, it's not a guarantee that your voice is gonna get heard. It's not a guarantee that people are gonna respect what you say or even give you the time to, to talk. So again, how can we find ways in which to actually be inclusive, lead inclusively, be inclusive leaders, if you will? And how do we create equitable change? How do we fo focus on and pinpoint areas of our fraternity that needs more funding, that needs more support, that needs further development? And the first priority is making sure that the DEIA task force is a standing committee and working with them. And from my professional DEI work that I do outside of Kappa Kappa Psi, the model that I would like to suggest is making sure that every standing committee, every acting committee has a liaison, has a DEI representative on that committee. If we simply put DEI as its own task force, it oftentimes becomes, all right, let's work on a few things, let's check things off, and then when things cool down, again, it goes back to becoming an isolated conversation. Right, so how can we work with the DEI, a committee, and making sure that they are more represented across the board with all of our committees and from there providing training for all of our national leadership members and volunteers. 
then looking at the work that we've already established, the partnership with the Professional Fraternity Association and continuing that work, the assessment, the implicit bias trainings that we can provide our HQ staff, our national leaderships and our volunteers and our district leaders. And of course, finally, just making sure that we're creating an educational resource and support tool database on our website, on our membership portal, wherever it is, so that we can equip our students to do that work as well. So again, that was a whole lot of information thrown, but I just wanted to address those main six focus points. Um, I know in a past interview, there's been a comment about the brevity of my last statement. So I wanted to be more thorough this time and really provide clear focus points, goals, and how I will go about it. And all of this is written in my new campaign statement, which um, is being fi finalized and I will be sending out shortly. But again, if you have questions about any of these goals, any of these focus areas, please connect with me on social media via email or at NatCon, and I'd be more than happy to explain. Awesome, thank you. So you did just talk a lot about this, but um, I do want to give you one more chance. Is there anything else on the DEIA task force you wanted to mention? Like what are your goals for it and have those goals changed with the perspective of EPCM versus the perspective of EPP? Yeah, um, so for this, uh, just to reiterate a couple of things is it being both VPP and VPCM, the role of DEI is to make sure that we are, we are retaining and uplifting the human factor in the work that we do. So on VPP end, DEIA making sure that our awards, our recognition actually are people actually had a, f a fair chance to it, making sure that we were identifying areas when areas where we overly represented one population and not, and seeing, asking the question, why is that? And doing some digging. I think a lot of people are expecting DEI to say this is right and wrong, and that is the wrong way to go because DEI, DEI work is moving us away from that black and white, from the right, like simple right and wrong. Life is a lot messier than that, and it's a lot more colorful than that. And it's more so about creating a dialogue and understanding of why things are and identify specific areas in which we can do better. But the most important part is that it's an ongoing conversation moving us towards being more inclusive, more, being more equitable. Look, at the end of the day, we live in an unjust society. Our policies, our rules, the law, it's not perfect and there are inequities in all of it. But as VPCM, I really wanna take a deep look at our policies, our procedures, our protocols, how we go about supporting chapters from different areas of the country, is how we can be intentional, about adjusting funding, adjusting support, training more people to identify those areas and those gaps. And again, making the work more human. It's not just about the data. It's not just about what's on, on paper or a core. It's about making the work more human. It's about involving different voices into the, the, the whole process. And folks, thought diversity is a real thing. I come from a very white district, to just be quite frank. A lot of us came from and had many similar experiences but we have different upbringings, cultural backgrounds, and just overall different perspectives on certain things. 
So while we are working to be more unified and uniform, we can still do that while uplifting the differences in our perspectives, culture, just how we go about promoting our values. But the most important thing is that as we are doing this DEI work, we cannot forget the oaths that we took, the promises that we made to be outstanding Ben members and to uphold our values. At the end of the day, if, if a chapter out there, if somebody is not fulfilling our fraternal duties, is putting our fraternity at harm or any other student member at harm, you will be investigated because that is our duty as a national council and as a national organization is to make sure we are protecting our members. But it doesn't mean we can't have a conversation about it, right? So just to reiterate, DEI initiatives, more to come, but it is about working very closely with the DEI committee, making sure that they have eyes on things that go out, making sure that they have eyes and a say, uh, giving input and feedback, working with the PFA, the Professional Fraternity Association, to provide training that organizations across the country are also receiving and making sure that we're providing resources and support tools for our students to also do that work at the local level and for their bands. All right, thank you. So not to scare you, but as BPCM, you will tentatively be preparing for a six more year tenure on National Council. Do you have any plans for this time, especially as national president? <laughs> uh, no, thank you for this question. So I mean, this is, I mean, it, it, it's an important question, right? Because as an ex VPCM, whoever it is, it's a six year commitment. And this is also, I mean, this played into why this decision was so hard to make because I, I'm 28 years old. I have a life that I want to live, a job that I, I want to, to do so I can get paid. I have things I, I, I want to achieve in life as well. And I had to think really deeply about what the six year commitment, the significance of it, what that would mean for my personal and professional life and what it would do to my mental health, right? But after thinking through it clearly, I made a decision to put forth ideas and goals to serve as an ex VPCM because I know that there will be a support system around me to help guide me through VPCM, through national presidency and as IPP. Because that's, that's who we are as an organization. We are a brotherhood. It's not just one person doing the job, right? So as I look towards and plan towards national presidency, if elected, one of the things I really want to take a look at is how do we, how do we keep Kappa Kappa Psi affordable? There are similar organizations out there. Um, I did some research today, just to throw out a number. Our current membership dues are $105 for, for a year. There are other organizations out there, again, very similar to us, who are charging well, well over that. Um, and I think the other closest one was $140 per year. But the main thing is that it's really important to me that we look at affordability. And at, if, if we were to increase anything, we can at least justify to our students this is why this is, and we have done everything we could to make this as affordable as possible. 
The second thing is training for alumni. And I know this is something that our incoming national president has already been discussing, but providing a program or opportunities to train alumni so that we can prep them to serve in national leadership, better equip them to run for national council or to apply to serve as governor or to serve on a committee. And that's something that I would like to like to make official. If it, if it hasn't been already, is to focus on a training, an official training program for our alums to be a part of, where they can learn, they can engage in these conversations, they can be equipped with the lessons and tools and support, and just feel empowered to say, yes, I feel ready, I feel aware to make a decision to serve on national leadership someday. I think something that's often overlooked is how do we continue to bring value to our college and university bands. Because again, at the end of the day, this is about band, right? This is about band. So what value are we truly bringing band? I, I think setting up stands and chairs is fantastic. Handing out fruits, drinks, whatever it is during game day, that's fantastic. And that it really is, it, it is great work. But as we're talking about reimagining, we're talking about heading into the next century, let's think bigger, let's dream bigger. And one of the things that I would like to, to accomplish, and this is not my idea, this is an idea that I, I heard from past national leadership, is to provide an official leadership training program for bands across the country. DOBs and, and sponsors who are a part of our programs can say, hey, I want the speaker to come in and do a one to two day workshop with, uh, with, my, with my student leaders, with my entire band. Think about how life-changing that could be for students across the country. But again, at the end of the day, what I really want to focus on, if I could just do one thing as national president, is to really focus on strengthening our community as brothers and as bands, rebuilding relationships that have been severed in the past, and just simply enjoying bands of all sorts, shapes, and sizes. All right, thank you. Uh, finally, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners that you haven't gotten a chance to say yet? Yeah. Um, well, first off, brothers, I just really greatly appreciate the opportunity and the fact that you are tuning in. It shows a lot of heart. And even if you're listening in, but you do not support me, I think that's totally okay. The fact that you're engaged means a lot already. But I encourage each and every brother to do their homework and their research. As you're listening to candidates speak, I'm sure some candidates will speak to you in a way that you feel more connected with, you feel more at peace with, or more aligned with. But do not make a decision, a final decision. Do not vote based simply on loyalties, on assumptions, and just based on what you've heard. Look, people are running for office. So things are gonna get set. If people are making accusations, then I need you to ask them, then how have you been a part of the solution? Or can you show up with the facts? Because spreading false accusations, as we've seen in our national recent history, can be very detrimental to everybody. And if people are making promises, ask them. How has your past actions or current actions, how are they aligned? Have you, what have you done 
to, to pursue this? What actions have people taken, right? As you're looking at the candidates, what actions have you taken to either be a part of the solution or to align yourself with the goals, with the promises that you're making? Look, at the end of the day, if I am not the right candidate, if you do not feel that I am the best fit to serve based on my past experiences, based on my current goals, if you do not think that I am aligned with our values, be honest with me and do not vote me in. If I don't serve as VPCM, VPP, if I don't serve at all, I'll be okay with that because I have, I have done my part. And I am confident in the work that I have done as a national officer and as VPSA. But if you feel that over the past few years, I have proven myself that I've stayed consistent with my vision of engage, equip, empower. If you feel that my goals as VPCM in reimagining Kappa Kappa Psi is what you would like to see out of your next VPCM, then let's talk. I wanna share more ideas with you. And I, and again, these goals, they're gonna adjust. They're living, breathing goals that are adjusting to the needs of our students as they come become clear to me. So again, you can connect with me on social media. You can connect with me via email, which is bongco at kkpsi.org, or let's chat at NatCon if you're gonna be at NatCon. And again, I just wanted to say thank you to Will for just sitting through all of this and having me preach at you. Um, it's been truly an honor to work with you as a district officer and now as a, as a recent alum. And I just am very thrilled to see people giving back in a, in a very meaningful way. So thank you. Thank you to the entire committee and thank you to all of our listeners out there. Much love. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, so I do want to thank our listeners and encourage everyone, like you said, to reach out to our candidates with questions. You can look up all the candidates' platforms on the National Commission website. And don't forget to follow the official Kappa Kappa Psi social media for updates. I don't know the date this will come out, uh, but I do know that National Convention is quickly approaching, and I can't wait to see you all there. Until then, thanks, brothers.